Uh, so how many, how many have a mobile phone? How many have a mobile phone? Yeah, and, and I wonder what you use it for. Uh, less often it's, uh, it's for, for talking, uh, more often it's for lots of other things. You know, there, was a, there was a review of that I, I saw on the internet, all the different places around the world, lots of different uses. There were, the, there were migrants in the caravan coming north who would check in with family to let them know that they were still safe and how far they'd gotten. Or there were farmers who, who had every one of their livestock had some kind of smart chip in them and they could check on the health and the location of them. Or, or, or a high school student, high school student in Africa, the only way she goes to school is remotely through her smartphone. And my favorite was from South Korea. It was, it was uh, Pokemon Go Grandpa. Pokemon Go Grandpa. He rides around on a bicycle. He had 14 cell phones on his handlebar and talked on the 15th one, going Pokemon Go. Isn't that amazing? So these smartphones, I, I have to wonder, though, is it, is, is it more benefit or more burden? More benefit or more burden? I mean, I mean who, how many of you get those phone calls you don't want to receive? I get an awful lot of those. You know, in the old days, you just let the answering machine get it at home. But I finally figured out I can get an app. I can get an app, and it just, it just blocks those unwanted calls. If I don't want to take it, I don't take it. Now, the problem with that is every once in a while I miss an important call. You ever done that? I mean, I wonder if God were to call, would you pick up? Would you take the call? Our scripture stories tell us that Answering a call from God is challenging. It's frightening because that call involves going places, speaking God's words, doing God's plans, plans that are liberating, that are life-giving, but also dangerous, life-threatening, because they upset the status quo and they take power away from the powerful. Oh my. Do we answer the call? Well, that's why we answer the call. Some of us had met Reverend Dr. William Barber when he came here when we were champion Medicaid here in Ohio a few months ago. He's the co-chair of the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for more revival. And that call pursues what he says is eradicating poverty and systemic racism addressing ecological devastation, militarism in the war economy, changing the narrative about poverty in this country from one that demonizes the poor to one that recognizes their strengths and vision while questioning the morality of current public policy. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot if we're going to be truth tellers, if we're going to be God's prophet, if we're going to answer the call. In a foreword, he wrote uh, with a colleague of his to a book called Reconstructing the Gospel. Reverend Barber wrote this. So-called white evangelicals who say so much about what God says so little and so little about what God says so much have dominated public discord about religion in America for my entire adult life. They have insisted that faith is not political, except when it comes to prayer in school, abortion, homosexuality, and property rights. They've overlooked the more than 2,500 verses in the Bible that have to do with love, justice, and care for the poor. 
and they have tried to make Jesus an honorary member of the NRA. I'm not surprised, Dr. Barber says, when I meet people who tell me they're agnostic. When I was a guest on the talk show of one of America's most famous atheists, Bill Maher, he asked, he asked if, I, if I were talking about God who hates the poor, who hates immigrants, who hates homosexuals, well, I told him I'd be an atheist too. I don't know that God, and I certainly don't believe in that God. But I'm an evangelical because, as my grandma used to say, I know Jesus for myself. I know Jesus for myself. And he goes on to say that Jesus said in his very first sermon, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because God has anointed me to proclaim good news, good news to the poor. And in his own book, The Third Reconstruction, he talked about his home church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. He said, we adopted the mission statement of Jesus from Luke's Gospel. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus' very first sermon, the text that we heard David read for us this morning. That's their mission statement, his home church's mission statement. That made me think about our mission statement. Would you turn to the front of the bulletin? Will you turn to the front of the bulletin and you'll see down in the bottom our mission statement. Will you read that together with me? We read together, our mission as Just North UCC is to celebrate God's love with each other and to be God's love in our communities. Thank you. Our mission, our mission is not about getting more people to join the church. It's not about convincing others that they'd be better off believing the way we believe. No, our mission at Just North Church is about God's love. God's love that we celebrate together. God's love that we offer to others who need it. Those who, who struggle without it. Those who hunger without it. Those who are lost, who are denied, betrayed, threatened, injured, even, even killed. Because they don't know, they don't have, they don't receive. They don't rest in. They don't celebrate God's love. Everybody, everybody needs God's love. Everybody needs God's love. Everybody needs compassion. Everybody needs justice. Everybody needs champions. Champions of justice. Tellers of truth. Those like Jeremiah who could stand up to condemn, to challenge, to encourage, to restore. We need, we need people of faith. We need people of God. We need friends of Jesus to step up, to answer that call when it comes in. Think about answering that call. Think about how we've answered that call here at North. Let's, let's talk about an actual event. 
Let's talk about an actual event. Let's talk a bit about something that has been such a holy interruption, such a, a divine disruption, such a, a movement of the Spirit that it touched every one of us and moved us. Let's talk about the history we've had of our sanctuary ministry with Angelica, who's with us today. Now, I'm not going to tell the story and tie it up in a nice, neat bow. Let's talk about how it actually happened, how it honestly took place. The phone did ring, and Dawn picked it up on the first ring. And others were not quite so quick to answer. We were taking calls from other lines at that time. Yeah, we were, we were not sure whether to press accept, to hold and accept, or leave a text, or just decline. We felt this real and laudable concern for the safety of our children here. We have a child care center, you know. We were concerned whether we would be placing our faith community at risk somehow. This is our home. This is our family. We don't want any legal jeopardy. We don't want to send that pastor to jail. Well, maybe we... I, but no, we don't want to send our pastor to jail. <laughs> and others had pragmatic concerns. Do we have the space? Could we provide real hospitality to Angelica and her family? Could we really meet her needs? Could we do this? Could we answer the call? Dawn answered the call. And she told us this is an important call. This is a vital call. This is an urgent call. This is maybe even a life and death call. This is a call we have to take. We have to take it. And for several weeks, she was surrounded, drowned out by all these other calls. Oh, I'm too busy. Well, that's a wonderful idea. Can't somebody else do it? Can't another church do it? I hope it happens for her. It's an important thing that somebody else take on. Could, 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 you, could you just leave me a sticky note and I'll put it there and think about it on my desk? But eventually, the voice of this truth teller the voice of the prophet. We responded. And then a few people answered the call. And quickly it became a whole group, a whole swarm, if you will, began to pay attention. And all at once, with this shared, even palpable realization of who Angelica is and what her needs were, we organized. Actually, to tell you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, Camichellis organized. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tammy was called a herd cats, you know, the way we refer to ourselves here at Just North Church. And, you know, we all have our opinions. We all want to be heard. We all have good intentions. But this was a real human crisis, and it called for a response, a responsible response in, in, in short order. And so Tammy brought this skill set that she uses at work. When Dawn called her and said, Tammy, could you give me some advice? And, and Tammy said something like, you know, this is what I do for a living, right? <laughs> right? And Tammy got over a hundred of us, a hundred, over a hundred of us to focus, to move forward, to problem solve, to make a heartfelt, mind-considered, faith-filled decision 
commitment in a very short order. And then what happened? And then what happened? People gave themselves to the ways that they felt called in this ministry. They recognized that they were being called to a very unique service. They answered the call. Some spent the night. I think there was, what, a total of 20 different women spent a night here throughout. This. Every night, some, someone was here. Someone was in the building, so Angelica and her family knew that someone was here. She had good company. And there were at least four women who spent a night a week every week so that she always had company and felt safe in our care. And others organize press releases, others organizes security at the door, others organizes a sanctuary school, others organizes a public forum, faces and faiths of sanctuary. People heard the call, people responded, and people offered the gifts they had to this ministry. Answer the call. Answer the call. How do you answer the call? How do you, how do you, how do you answer the call when you hear God calling you? Now, it might be on your cell phone, it might be in a conversation, it might be in prayer, it might be in reflection, it might be that sense of calling you had so many years before, like Joanna did, and then a journey of many steps that led to answering the call. When do you answer the call? And maybe more important, why? Why do you answer the call? This is just the first chapter, I believe, in our story of being a sanctuary church. We are stepping up. We are answering the call. We are beginning to discern where do we go next. But our story moves us forward. God's gospel story among us moves us forward. God's love among us moves us forward. God's love through us moves us forward. Recall our gospel story. Remember how the crowds were, were first pleased and amazed by Jesus' words. They were raving about him. But in the end, they quickly turned against him. They were raging against him. What was he telling them? What was he saying? They, they turned from loving him and adoring him to running him to the cliff to shove him off. He told them that God's favor is for everyone. For them, yes. But also for those that they reject, those they call foreign, those they call unfaithful, those they see as the enemy. Jesus moved from declaring this acceptable year of the Lord's favor, and he challenged them by telling them that God favors the least among them. To tell you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, I think Jesus was calling his own community racist, elitist, closed, self-serving. 
One of our culture's greatest sins is racism. It infects us all. It infects us from presidents to, to governors to people sitting in the pew in worship. Again, Reverend Barber writing his own experience of racism. He said, We don't erase the memories we each carry in our body when we come to follow Jesus. But the Jesus I know can make the children of slaves and the children of slaveholders into friends who link arms and work together for justice. This is the story of God's movement in every generation. With a broad coalition of sisters and brothers from many backgrounds, he writes, we are working together to build up a poor people's campaign for moral revival, taking up the unfinished work of the poor people's campaign of 1967 and 68, spearheaded by Dr. King. God has given us good news to proclaim to the poor. May it stir us to prophetic action. May it stir us to answer the call, to seek some good that we can do, to challenge injustice that is close to home, to speak truth to the powerful with the power of God's love, to proclaim that this will be the year that God's plan is fulfilled, that God's people will be honored, that God's promises will be realized. It happens. It happens, my friends. It happens, my friends, in Christ. It happens because God's people answer the call. Answer it. Answer it. Answer it. Amen.